Nobody wants to work right now. Don't worry, though. They'll all come back when they run out of money, when they realize that accounting was the better thing for them. Please, you think work-life balance is something new? Something these kids created? Hey, it's Old Timey Tuesday. Let's talk about how to get the youngs back to work, back into your accounting firm. If you're in a traditional firm, you're probably hearing this a lot right now. So let's talk about it. Come on in. I don't know if you ever heard this. Uh, so this is this is Old Timey Tuesday, where we talk about some of the hard things about being a staff person in more traditional legacy accounting firms. There are a lot of these accountants out there. We got to support them so that they don't leave and uh, so that we can eventually sucker them into coming and working for us, the better firms, right? So today on Old Timey Tuesday, we are talking about we're talking about the youths and we're talking about why people just don't want to work anymore. You know, it's just not like it used to be about how this must all just be a cycle. We've seen this before where it was hard to hire an accounting and then a couple of years later it was fine and we had more accountants than ever. Uh, I heard that dialogue a ton when I was like coming of age in an accounting firm. So if this is something you're grappling with, in your firm right now. Let's talk about it and kind of some practical ways to navigate this in a more traditional firm. And for you uh, super, super cool, super modern, super woke, forward-looking firms where this doesn't apply to you, man, if you had to navigate this stuff, please share your thoughts in the comments so that the folks that are in the thick of this um, have some, some kind of encouragement and like practical advice for how to get through this stuff. So what's got me hot on this right now is over the weekend, I posted a video to the main YouTube channel about, uh, me leaving public accounting and everything that went into that. Uh, I've talked about it on this show before, kind of all the really hard, really like emotional aspects of leaving an accounting firm that you'd helped built and all of the people that you disappoint in the process and how letting down your colleagues and all of that is hard. But ultimately, the framing of the video was I didn't want to be the guy who would put his cape on and go into work and be everybody's hero at work. And in the process, let down like all the people who actually care about me, like my family and the people closest to me and all of that. And that's a trap. That's a really easy trap to fall into um, is to go out and work your butt off and, you know, be well respected and, and all that stuff in kind of the professional side of your life while the rest of your life is kind of in pieces and doesn't get any of the same TLC that your business and your clients and your colleagues get. And whenever I post these videos about kind of doing the hard thing and making what can feel like making a decision that can feel selfish. Whenever I post this sort of thing, it's uh, always the most most disliked type of content that I do. Probably the most liked too. It's probably just more divisive. But there's always a lot of folks that like don't like that take and who hear it as like, oh, you're not just rolling up your sleeves and like doing your best for everybody around you. And like I get that. And, but like, that's kind of the struggle. Like that's kind of the 
tug of war is being that for everybody, which is, which is good. Like, you know, being there for, for your colleagues and for your clients, not leaving people flapping in the breeze. But it's, it's really about when that goes too far and when you pay the price for that and when your family pays the price for that. Because I think if we look around us, we see a lot of those people, um, <clears throat> maybe even people in your own life who, uh, maybe even yourself, who have been the hero for so long, ultimately you pay the price for it. But these videos get a lot of dislikes. You get some salty comments. And it's oftentimes around, you know, how people should be should be loyal. You know, like where is, where is loyalty gone? This sort of generation of worker, like they think so differently, they work so differently. Like, you know, where has loyalty gone? Where you would go in and put in decades in a company job before you would go to another role. And these days, you know, you've got these snowflakes that are job hopping every single year. You know, people just, they just don't, um, I don't know, I've heard it framed a whole bunch of different ways, but they don't have like the same respect for the employer, the same loyalty that they once did. And bigger firms and more traditional firms are like up to their neck in this right now, obviously with all the people who quit and went on to do different things during COVID and all of that. I think a lot of the folks that saw my video and had a negative reaction associated that with, you know, kind of the trend of the last few years of people, um, I mean, in many situations, like getting out of situations that were not the best for them and at kind of putting life in perspective and going out and doing something different, whether it was accounting or not. But what I think often happens in the more traditional environments is, you know, they insist it's all going to come back around. And even some of the comments on my video were that way, were like, <clears throat> you'll be back. Just wait until, you know, X, Y, Z down the road, you need money, this and that, like just, you'll, you'll come back. You'll come back into running accounting firms or into working in accounting firms, which I thought was especially funny as a comment on my video. Like, did you watch the video? But you know, where these conversations are happen, happening, you know, some of this may be true and definitely, you know, the younger generations, they have a different approach to work, whether it's right or wrong, it is definitely different. But none of this dialogue gets you any closer to a staffing plan, like gets you no closer to solving the problem. And so I'm not super interested in the dialogue of like why it is the way that it is and, and you know, the validity of any specific part of it as much as, okay, what do we do next? Like we got to get work done. Like we need to replace those two people that just left. Like what happens next? And I've had, and like in the process of like before coming into firm ownership there, I had a few kind of big aha moments that I've shared before. Like one of them was getting over the notion of quote unquote winning work. Maybe that'd be another good one for old timey Tuesday. I got over the notion of of winning work and like the machismo that goes into closing every deal. And like you've heard the people who are like, I've never sat down across from a potential lead and not closed them. Like, like we've seen that machismo before. And what you're actually doing is just like letting anything and everything in the door and usually giving away than anyone, giving away more than anyone else was willing to give away to get that client. Uh, and so like, you know, that was one of my 
big sort of like aha moments of like, oh no, we're actually letting awful stuff in the door. We shouldn't be doing this. But another really big one for me was in a conversation with kind of some more traditional leadership about getting some of my staff out to like accounting conferences and stuff like that. And there's a really big fear oftentimes around developing people and this sort of lingering what if that is like, well, what if they learn X, Y, Z? Or what if they find this other thing and it's better? And it's like, it's like your staff are children and you are trying to prevent them from finding out this truth about the universe that will make them go then work for somebody else. It's like, it's as if some people are employing members of the team like under this pseudo reality where if somebody else comes along and takes the blindfold off, they're going to be gone, right? Like I encountered this, I encountered this a lot. I encountered this now in retrospect, I saw, <clears throat> I now see a lot of this kind of stunned my growth early on. There were some kind of like personal development things that I wanted to go out and do that I thought would help the firm. And I was like, why can I not do this? And I realized in retrospect, it's oftentimes out of the fear that that person is going to mature to a point to where that firm is no longer the best thing for them. And you know, when I went out and built an accounting practice for the first time, I try, I grappled with that a lot to think through like, what is the best type of person for these kind of very different roles that we're going to have within the practice? And what I landed on was like, ultimately, you know, the best manager, I think, is the one that is that is building those roles, not with the intent of like chaining somebody to them until the end of time. But more through the lens of how do I align what I need with what is best for this person at a given stage in their career? Because that's not going to be the same thing forever. But like, if like in my mind, the, like the best managers I've ever had, like they were happy for me when I found something better or they were happy for me when I grew and all that. And so like my when I first started like managing teams, I really grappled with the like balancing what felt like this self-centered, I just want you to do for me what I need with what's best for these people that I actually care about. And some people are wired to like, mm, it sure seems like some people are just wired to where that what is best for them is not a big factor. Like for whatever reason, like I, I, um, really cared deeply about the people that I worked with. So it was really hard for me to just cruise past that and overlook that and be like, oh no, this other thing would actually be a lot better for that person, even though maybe it's not in my best interest. Not everybody is wired that way, like by default, I've learned. But this like kind of itch, like I think forced me to grapple with how do you, like what is the best way to balance what's best for them versus what's best for my company. And what I learned ultimately is... I think it is one of those one of those situations where doing the best by the people who work for you and helping them grow, whether that means they're going to be with you forever or not, is kind of the only option. And in most cases, I think comes back around, ultimately benefits you more than anybody else long term. Because these people are getting more capable by the day. You're enabling that stuff for them. And will it take it take them to a place where Maybe you're not the forever firm for them anymore. Like oftentimes it does. But you also like, I would also say like the most 
some of the most things I'm most proud of about the teams I've run and the people I've helped develop have been when like they had great success and went elsewhere and like took the next stage of their own journey and went on to be really successful. Like arguably if you run a team, there's nothing there's like, there's nothing more, I don't know, amazing than that. Like you can take pride in like results for clients and monetary stuff and all of that. But like ultimately what I would take pride in more than anything else is did I help these people grow and set them up to be in a, like to have an amazing future, like to have this career that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise had, had I not had the opportunity of working with them. This episode is sponsored in part by Client Hub. This week in Tales from the Hub. You remember last week's super smart accounting firm, totally a real firm, fixed their client request process by implementing client tasks and Client Hub. They're leveling things up. They discovered Client Hub's internal workflow features this week. They used it to track deliverables. And they were wowed, wowed when they found Client Hub's magic, magic workflow. It's GPT power and Client Hub. Stop the music. Keep playing the music. It is still an ad read. GPT power built right into Client Hub. Give Magic Workflow a few words that describes the work that needs to be done, and it will generate the initial task list automatically with AI. Now Super Smart Accounting is no longer putting off documenting their processes. Within a week, they're all set with their client work and detailed processes. It's all captured in Client Hub. Somebody want to take some PTO? Remember that episode from last week? Unlimited PTO? No problem, because somebody else can pop on in, do that work, because it's all documented in Client Hub. How's your documentation looking right now, bub? Hmm? That's what I thought. That's it for this week's installment of Tales from the Hub. Learn more about Client Hub, the link in the show notes. Hey, this episode is sponsored in part by Dark Horse CPAs. Ever heard of them? Hey, in an age of rapidly evolving AI, Dark Horse CPAs has decided to entirely abandon the computer and go back to doing everything by hand. Bold move. We'll see how it works out. They believe that public accounting is rooted in miserable toiling, so to deprive accountants of the pride and bragging rights of working over 3,000 hours a year is a slap in the face. Sure, they could use computers to work half the hours for five times the... What is this ad read? But what is an accountant if not burned out and underpaid? Sure, they could be known to their family and actually have relationships with them, but the truth is, accountants just don't like people. And if you're looking for a firm that will exercise an undue amount of control over your life and actively participate in the decline of your physical and mental health, you should get in touch with the overlords at Dark Horse. I feel like somebody that doesn't like Dark Horse just bought an ad on this show. This is tongue-in-cheek. They're passively seeking mediocre talent to fill roles that are obsolete to the modern accounting firm and would appreciate the opportunity to stunt your career growth for as long as you'll let them. Check out the link in the show notes to Dark Horse CPAs to learn more. And so when we when we talk about talk about the youths and what they want out of work and all that, I think that kind of takes the focus off of how do we create a place that is great for a specific type of person at a specific stage in their career? How can we be the best option for that person? Like ultimately, if people are leaving, it's because you're not the best option that they have out there. Maybe maybe it's an accounting thing. Maybe it's bigger than you. But maybe it's like, man, I just I need more flexibility than I have in this job and so it's just not worth it to me. Or this was good for me before, but I'm not really growing. 
like I once was. Like I need to I need to be in a role where I can grow to like become that next version of myself. And so on the one hand, you have, you know, a, a company that's trying to be the best option for those people. And like that is why they will come and they will work for you and they'll give you their best. On the other hand, you have relying on loyalty. And <clears throat> this is something I've gone back and forth on in like a number of contexts. Even when it comes to like people being incentivized to do their best work, like, you know, output-based compensation. Like, should you just trust people to work their hardest all the time? Or should their compensation and performance be benchmarked, you know, according to some yardstick around that? And like at the core of that sort of discussion is like, how much can you expect people to just come and sacrifice themselves for your own benefit? If you're the if you're the company owner, um, you know, going the extra mile, staying up all night working, um, like busting their butts for the company. I think that was a thing that in the past maybe there was more pride in than there is now. And I would definitely argue that like like myself personally, and this is maybe the only lens I can see it through myself personally, like I have always been a pleaser and I've always like my default has been just to work really, really hard. So even if there was not like this um, really like immediate tie-in from my performance to my compensation or, or you know, whatever that is, like I would still work my butt off and, and try really hard to do my best. But if I had somebody that worked to me that was not wired necessarily that same way, is it their fault? Is it something wrong with them? Or is it... Uh, big of me to assume that someone else would just of their own goodwill bust their butts just because they work for me. You know, like, is that is that a reasonable thing to assume? I don't know if it is or not, to be totally honest. But what I've come back to is if <clears throat> if I can incentivize them to do so, then like the the whole point is moot. So like when you take it back to like hiring and people working for you, if you are the best thing for them, you don't have to rely on whether they spend all day on LinkedIn and are, are, are job shopping, stuff like that. Like you don't have to worry about all of these other things as long as like you are doing the best by that person. So like you could put your energy into a lot of, you know, different things from, you know, being frustrated that this person isn't working as hard as you think that they should or being annoyed that you don't get as many, you know, resumes as you used to and that people don't follow up when you try to get them to come to an interview that sort of thing you can fist fight with like your own worldview and how you think it should be or you can try to craft the reality that is going to be most attractive to the kind of person that you want and there was a stage in my life where I was like I had this worldview of how I think things should be and anytime they weren't that way it was frustrating but at the end of the day, none of that got me any closer to like solving my own problems. And so like when it comes to staffing and loyalty and shouldn't people just be this way these days? I, I don't know, like maybe, but like what's the point of even having that argument? Uh, like in my mind, the only solution to loyalty, to the problem with the youths and all that is to like be the best option they have. And that's a bunch of things. That's compensation, that's flexibility, that's actually getting to do 
interesting work. That's creating a, like a fun culture at work where people are energized to come do this stuff and to help our clients and all of that. I mean, they, like, I, it's one of those things where I think, and I think Old Timey Tuesday is probably going to boil back to this oftentimes, is you can sit there and like pound sand over like how irritated you are at change and how people aren't the way they used to be and how maybe the world isn't trending in the direction that you would like it to. But at the end of the day, none of that gets you any closer to solutions, to solving, you know, the problems in your firm. And when it comes to the discussion of of loyalty, of why are so many people leaving, in most firms, it's just because that's not a compelling place to work. Like, I mean, I don't I think 95% of firms look the exact same on the outside. And no amount of no amount of knowing what a great place this is once you're on the inside helps those who are still on the outside. And so even some great firms that I see where they're tremendous people and folks would have great experience working for them, there's a lot of great firms like that that from the outside, you wouldn't know anything different because your landing page is the same as everybody else's. And like there is no, there is nothing out there that's really speaking to a specific type of person. So I think in in many ways, Similar to how we kind of like try to network our way into a very specific type of client. I think that's the best way to approach hiring also. Like, who are you really good for? Like, who are the people who will be really successful when they come to work for for you? And why are you any different than every other firm? And if your answer is, "Uh, because I'm better, I'm me, I'm what's different. Are you though? I don't, I mean... I think I'm pretty cool. Maybe you're pretty cool. But like, is is you and the mystique around you enough of a reason for somebody to come work for your firm rather than all the other firms in town or around the country if you're virtual? I don't know. Probably not. So it's probably just a matter of like getting more specific about who you want to pull in. So if you are that staff person in that frustrating legacy situation and you're trying to navigate that, um, there's some real issues there uh, longer term, and I ran into these, is if you're in a firm where they're, you know, not actually taking action to solve these problems, you know who's going to get hurt by that most long term is you. Like if you stick around, uh, you're going to be the one that's going to be dealing with those shortages long term more so than the legacy people who are aging out. So like this is this is something that is just as big of an issue for you as it is for you know, the leadership that you have there now. And to me, the solution, which is easier than easier said than done to build in a traditional firm, the solution is just, to me, is getting more specific about the type of people who can solve those staffing issues. It's also often um, like a matter of approaching fulfillment in a different way. We've talked about that. Uh, it's maybe not as realistic as it once was to think that you're going to have a bunch of warm bodies sitting in an office to do everybody's accounting and taxes all day long. More and more of that fulfillment, the getting done of the work is getting done across multiple sources from contractors to uh, outsourced services and all that. So if you're up against like, how do we develop a more clear model for what type of hire we are great for? Think about how you can sexy up that work that you're doing. This episode is sponsored in part by Finn Daily. Finn Daily, ever heard of it? Entrepreneurs 
Let me tell you, they don't have time to focus on their numbers, but Finn Daily solves this problem by sending business owners an automated daily email. You know what automated means? You don't have to do a thing, it just sends, it goes, goes right on out. It includes key metrics, bank balances, and accounting for about a buck a day, a dollar a day. You know what, that's less than the cost of a cup of almost anything these days. Uh, in addition, FinDaily allows the emails to be white labeled, i.e. slap that firm stamp on there, putting your accounting firm top of mind with clients because that email's sliding right into home every morning. Try my brain, child. It is, I did, I did make it. I created FinDaily, I don't own it anymore. Try my brain, child, for free. Uh, link in the show notes, go check it out, pretty cool. Is there a specific niche that that you know you're starting to get into that may be attractive to a certain type of people say you're going into e-commerce you know that's the sort of thing where you can totally find some nerds that are into that sort of thing and would love being on the accounting side of supporting people that run those businesses like what is that kind of in that you could double down on where you could find a group of potential hires who would have like a specific interest in that thing that makes your firm unique personal relationships are always great um, you know, if you can find folks through those means, most of us, man, most of us shook everything we had out of that tree like a decade ago. And we're now, the tree is just like a bunch of scraggly branches left, but absolutely. If you have personal relationships, you can get hires out of do it. Most of us are just way beyond that point. That's hard though. When you are like surrounded by, you know, leadership that, um, wants to hire a bunch of people that are just like themselves. And you're like, no, what we what we need right now is not a bunch of like another 60 year old man that shares your worldview. Like that's, that's not the hire that we need today. Uh, that's a tough one. Admittedly. Uh, if you've, if you've had any success navigating that one, uh, please do share. And if you are in the thick of that, uh, good luck. Um, it's one of those fights you gotta, you gotta take on a day at a time. Uh, shower thought the old shower caps out. I don't think we've had the shower caps out in a little while. So somebody, uh, so back when <clears throat> people were upset about my beard uh, before I shaved, this was maybe a week and a half ago. Um, I I posted on Twitter when I when I shaved, which was inviting more discussion about my appearance and all that stuff. And like, I'm fine with that. I don't. It doesn't bother me really. And by posting about that, I was inviting more of a discussion about it. But some of the replies in there, people were like. Yeah, this is why I don't like do video and like this is why I don't post pictures of myself and stuff like that because inevitably somebody's going to crap on it just like anything you put online. Like it will somebody will love it and somebody will hate it and that's just how it is. And I do think like there's probably a ton of folks listening to this who don't publish online for this reason, maybe from that place of discomfort um and fear over what folks will say. Um here are my thoughts on that. I will say I am a man. And so uh, there's like aspects of my experience that are going to be different than yours. Uh, and I recognize that. So with that, bl- that blind spot in mind, I will say that posting online consistently for several years has helped me to develop this resilience that I would not otherwise have to a number of things, to people talking about your appearance, to people liking that thing that you did or not liking that thing that you did. 
Like I've got so much stuff out there at this point that there's like there's people crapping on on my stuff somewhere every single day. Send me mean DMs like that's I am like distributed enough now that like that stuff happens pretty much every day. But on the flip side of that, man, I'm also exposed to so many incredibly encouraging stories every day, like from the content that I put out. And this weekend went like when I went live with that video was a ton of fun. Like I got I heard so many positive messages from people that are like, man, this is coming at the perfect time. I just made a really hard decision. I feel like I let a bunch of people down. And that is like, that's the very best part of what I do is getting to talk with people about like positive change and and stuff like that. But it comes with a bunch of stinky stuff too. And I do think there is value in building up this resilience that is different in the internet age, that is different when you're publishing online and when folks can be anonymous. Like, I mean, how many stupid Google reviews have you gotten that just like kept you up at night? But I'm telling you, this stuff, like, it is a skill to develop. And, like, there's there's a hundred different layers of this discussion from, like, you know, online bullying and, like, all these, kind of all these different complexities that go into this. But I will say, as a general theme, I think the more that we can decide what we do day to day from a place of intentionality and what you think is the best for you and will get you to like that next version of yourself that you want to be, the more that you can make those decisions from within and not hit the brakes out of the, you know, fears of what this person is going to think or say or something like that. The more you can do that stuff from within, like the more you are kind of charting your own path. And that's maybe easier for me to say now, you know, having done a lot of publishing online, from being a dude and getting a different type of of shade than like women will get posting online. But I will say like right now in hindsight, like I do feel like I have more agency than ever before just having the confidence to post what I want to post. Like to know that I'm going to post this video about me getting out of public accounting. It's going to freak a bunch of people out. It's going to make a bunch of people mad. But there's also going to be a bunch of people who are like, not about like leaving public accounting, but about I got to make this hard decision and I'm worried I'm going to let people down. And like that was what they needed to see in that moment to get them over the top. Not to like leave accounting forever to, you know, get like make that decision that's right for them and right for their family, even if it disappoints some other people. So like I am I can take pride in the fact that like I can kind of like publish that knowing that is going to piss people off at the same time that it will energize people and give them what they need. And especially as more of our lives are playing out in a very visible way online, you know, from, should I start a YouTube channel? What will my mom say? What will my high school friends say? You know, all these different things. Like that's, I think just like something we grapple with more and more as more of what we do is visible. In my opinion, there's no way to get over that besides just doing it. And like learning to build that resilience and having like being on the other side of that resilience is such a cool feeling of freedom that I don't think everybody feels right now because they they get to a point where they're like, it would be helpful if I did this. But then it has to go through this filter of what will other people think? What will people say about seeing me on video? Stuff like that. And I'm telling you, like the more you can break down that filter to not let those people control what you do. Right. Um, like 
of course, like in your perfect mind, like you'd say, yeah, nobody's ever going to, you know, stop me and keep me from doing that thing I want to do. But I think it happens a lot online when it comes to being yourself and like making decisions for yourself rather than somebody else. Uh, if you got something like that you're stuck on, share it in the comments. Um, it'd be good to, I don't know, share some good vibes around that. And maybe you can help somebody kind of get over that hump of maybe that thing they're afraid to do or imposter syndrome or something like that. Uh, thanks for coming and hanging. I'm still sick. I'll, I'll not be sick one of these days. Uh, we got a sweaty week this week. We got Engage, AICPA Engage next week. The show will be coming to you from uh, Sin City. So we'll see how that goes. Recording in a different place. Uh, looking forward to it. If you're going to be at Engage, let me know. Let me know. Let's hang. Uh, and I'll see you tomorrow.